Father, we thank you tonight for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Father, that in all things, we can put our trust and confidence in you that you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you don't ever change. And therefore, we can always trust you and know that your word is true because it, it doesn't ever change because you are the word. We ask you to bless this evening, this time that we have together, that everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. Father, I pray that we might have a revelation of the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and, and that which we can accomplish and that which is expected as a, of us as your sons and daughters. Father, we, we pray for revelation to come forth, that we might walk in the fullness of it. And, and now we ask you to bless this time as we share together that you might receive the glory. Father, we want to give you all the honor because you're worthy of it. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about the believer's authority and uh, uh, what we begin to see as we go through this, you know, we spent some time talking about um, Adam and Eve and how they um, basically uh, threw high trees and turned uh, the authority that belonged to man, to them, they turned it over to, to Satan. And so tonight what we want to talk about is, uh, we want to talk, begin talking about the authority that we have as born-again believers that... <clears throat> In reality, we actually have really more authority than uh, what Adam and Eve actually had. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn, uh, turn to Matthew, the 28th chapter, and we'll begin reading uh, in the 18th verse. <clears throat> and it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, speaking of his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so all authority has been given to Jesus. He, he earned it. He uh, accomplished that by defeating the enemy. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and again remember he's speaking to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And so uh, all authority was given to Jesus, or he, he earned it by uh, defeating the enemy. But then he, he, he took and he, he turned all that authority over to you and I as um, believers. And so he gave us power. He gave us authority over the, uh, the devil. And so if we back up just a little bit to Matthew, the 10th chapter, uh, we, speak, we see him speaking here, Jesus, once again. And in the first verse, he says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of uh, diseases. And so, here even before uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus gave the disciples authority. 
And so they were to cast out devils. They were um, to heal the sick and so on and so forth. And then we drop down to the seventh verse. And in the seventh verse, and it says, and as you go, preach. And so, you know, preaching, uh, we oftentimes think of preaching as, you know, the individual getting up in front and expounding upon the scriptures, and that is preaching. But uh, we're to be preachy as well. In other words, the words that come out of our mouth is, um, is, is preaching. You know, the Bible in Revelation says that when we share our testimonies, um, that it's, it's the spirit of prophecy that's coming forth. In other words, when, when we share our testimony, we're able to speak things that'll speak into the lives of individuals. And, and really, that's what I believe preaching is, too. If, if it's just, you know, sharing whatever I think, that's just sharing what I think. You know, preaching is, is supposed to be um, speaking into the lives of individuals. And so uh, when we go to hear somebody preach, there ought to be something that comes out of that word that we can take and we can uh, apply it in one way or another into our lives. And so I, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I was thinking about, this is kind of straying from the thought, but it, it does still deal with authority. I, I was thinking about, you know, how in Ephesians 4 it talks about the, the fivefold ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And, uh, and of course, as a pastor, I was thinking of it um, from my office or from my position. And, uh, you know, I believe that every one of those offices uh, is to be able to teach. You know, it says that an elder is to be apt to teach. In other words, to, to simply qualify to be an elder in the church, the individual has to be able to, to share uh, to what's on his heart, to, to teach, in other words. Um, but I was thinking of the fivefold ministry because some teach that it's actually a fourfold ministry. Um, and that when it says, and teacher, that all four of them are uh, to have that teaching to be a part of their, of their gifting. And I agree with that part of it, that each one of them has that as a part of their, of their gifting. But I also believe that there is also the, the office of, of teacher where they, they don't necessarily uh, fit into any of the other uh, offices along with it. But I was thinking of it specifically concerning the office of, of, of the pastor. And I, I was thinking from the standpoint as as a pastor, probably more than, than any of the other offices, within his teaching, there, there needs to be this, um, this impartation of application that goes along with that teaching so that uh, the people that hear it, his congregation, his sheep, are able to take that teaching and go on with it and begin to implement and and practice it in their life. And so, you know, that, that's, that's just my thought. I, I don't have any particular scriptural base for that. That's just how I, I see it, you know, because 
in of a pastor more than any of the other offices are his, part of his responsibility, his major responsibility, is to see to it that the sheep are fed. You know, and of course for us as, as sheep, uh, our food is the Word of God. And it's that Word that, that nourishes us, that nurtures us, so that we can, we can grow, so that we can mature, so that we can be effective in our life. And so, like I said, just a thought, you know. And, and for me, you know, that, that's kind of my approach towards the Word of God and towards preaching, that if, if we can't take it and we can't apply it in our everyday life, really, what, what benefit is it? You know, I, I, I like history and so forth. You can go in my office and you can, you know, see all kinds of, of history books. I in, um, joy, uh, history concerning World War II in particular and, and the European uh, War. I, en I enjoy the Civil War history and, and so I've got several books on that, but that's, that's just history. And so, you know, there, there's, there's Bible history and thank God, you know, we, we need to have an understanding of that history as well. But if, if that's all that it is for us, is history, then the Bible is no different than reading the encyclopedia, but it, it's full of life, and, and so we can take this word and we can apply it to our lives. And so let's, let's begin in, in Matthew 10 again, first verse. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases, dropping down to verse uh, seven, and then he says, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> you know, you, you see that in, in different places in the Bible where it talks about whether it be the kingdom of God or something else being at hand. You know, if you, I mean, it means that in our language, and if you, if you study it in the Greek, what you find out is that it means that it's present. It's, it's there at this point. Uh, you know, it's, it's like when John the Baptist looked to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God. You know, the kingdom is at hand. It's present. It's, it's in our environment. It's in our setting. And so that's what he's saying. He says, as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out de demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so because we've, they've freely received from Jesus, they're to freely give it. Well, you know, that, that's how it is in, in our lives as well. Because we've, we've received so abundantly and we've received freely, we're, we're to... We're to do that. We're to practice that. We're to, we're to freely give. Because we've been forgiven, we can forgive. Because he supplies all of our needs, we're able to give. Uh, because uh, of the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we've been healed, we give out healing to others. And so freely we've received, freely we give. 
you know, it, it's totally contrary to the principles of the world. Uh, the principles of the world is to, um, to save, to, now I'm not opposed to savings. Don't, don't take everything that I say here totally literal. I'm, you know, I mean, take it literal, but not from the standpoint it's, it's okay to have a few bucks in the bank. You understand what I'm saying? You know, but because we've received freely, we need to be, we need to give freely. Because we've received from him. You know, especially, you know, he's talking about preaching the word of God. You know, we did absolutely nothing to, to earn or deserve the message of salvation that we heard. We received it free of charge. And therefore, we ought to um, share that with others as well. We jump over to Luke, the ninth chapter. I'm just sharing some scriptures here that are talking about um, the power and the authority that has been invested in us. And in, in Luke 9, 1, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. You know, and, and that, that's the same account that we read in Matthew, the 10th chapter. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit intended to just simply fill up space uh, by being repetitious. You know, under the, uh, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, uh, when, when something is repeated, um, it's, it's repeated for emphasis. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, here he's not repeating it right after another, but he's recording the same account. And a I believe the reason that he does that, he's, he's doing that for emphasis. He wants us to understand. He wants these 12 to understand. And as we read the account of the 12, that we understand that he gave them power and authority over all demons uh, and, and to cure diseases. And so we've been given authority over all demons and we've been given power and authority to cure uh, disease. Now, <clears throat> the, the thing about authority, authority always carries responsibility. And, uh, you know, when, I'm, when I teach on authority, like government authority or any kind of authority, whether it be on the job or whatever it may be, a lot of people want a title, and they think what they want is authority, but they don't. They really want a title. Because authority carries responsibility. There's, there's obligations that go along with authority. So a lot of people think they, they want authority, but if they really were honest, what they really want is a title so that they can be recognized and acknowledged for having this position or that position. But authority carries responsibility. And uh, we've talked about this passage quite a bit over the last um, few weeks, but in James, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse, 
It says, therefore, submit to God, <clears throat> resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. In other words, authority carries responsibility. If we are submitted to God, we carry, a, we carry a authority. I mean, that's, that's, that's just how it is. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't take authority. We, we submit to authority. I'm, I'm, I'm of the persuasion that anybody that's never learned how to submit to authority will never qualify to have authority. Because, you know, you, you reap what you sow. You know, first comes the submitting. There, Jesus, who received all authority, submitted to his Father. You know, Jesus could have rebelled against Father God. But he didn't. He submitted to his Father. And as a result of that, all authority has been given unto him. The disciples submitted unto Jesus. And as a result of that, all authority was given unto them. We submit unto Jesus, and as a result of submitting unto Jesus, we, we receive all authority. Now, once we receive that authority, we need to recognize that there's a responsibility that goes along with it. What that responsibility is, is that we use it. Because authority does us absolutely no good if we don't ever utilize it, if we don't ever act upon it, if we don't ever recognize it. You know, we, we can have all the authority in the world, but if we don't ever recognize it, um, we'll never act upon it. And if we don't ever act upon it, it'll never benefit anybody. And so we've been given authority. It's God's power, but that power has to be placed under our authority. Because we're the ones that have expression here on the earth. We have a means of implementing that authority here on the earth because we're, we're walking in these flesh and blood bodies. If we didn't have this, there would be no way for us to express authority in the earth. And so we are his avenue. The battle isn't between God and the devil directly because God's already defeated him. The battle is between the devil and us. And the number one tool that he wants to use against us is to convince us that we don't have authority, that we don't have a pow the power, to convince us that we're just kind of sitting out here in limbo and if God doesn't do something, there's no hope for us. Well, the reason why that's such a defeatist attitude, and that's the attitude that he wants us to have, is because God's already done it. He's already invested in our lives. And so if he can get us to where we just simply wait, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, you're probably going to be waiting on the Lord a long time because he's already done it. So what we need to do is recognize and acknowledge what Jesus has already done in our life and we begin to implement it. 
We do that by the words that come out of our mouth, by our actions. God has equipped us with authority and power, and we have to use it. Because if we don't use it, it literally does not get used. And so we look at the conditions of so many in the world, and, and uh, it just appears to be so hopeless. Well, it is hopeless because it's, it's without God. And without Him, there is no hope. And in fact, there isn't any hope that we can bring anybody. There isn't any hope that we can give anybody. But because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, what's, what's interesting, and this always ruffles a few feathers, What's interesting is that Jesus never, per, never, never told the disciples to pray for anybody. He told them to cure them. He told them to heal them. And of course, you know, immediately our our brain, our religious brain, goes tilt on that. You know, because we can't heal anybody. And you know what? Technically speaking, you're absolutely correct. But, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit has invested in our life is that power and the, the authority to heal. Not to just simply pray for healing, but to heal. And so just, just listen to this. In, in Luke, the ninth chapter, it's in your notes. But it, going down to, well, let's just start in the first verse because that's where we began. And it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Gave them power to cure diseases. Gave them power to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Did you catch that? He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Well, I'm sure what he meant there was to pray for the sick. But that's not what he said. You know, and so you can, you can take issue with it, but don't take issue with me. I didn't write it. I didn't say it. And it was written, therefore said, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Ghost wrote this. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that when Luke was writing this, the inspiration for his writing was the Holy Spirit who gave him the words to write, the words to speak. And so he, he sent them, Jesus sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Dropping down to the 
to the ninth verse in the 10th chapter. It says, Jesus once again is saying, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick there and preach to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. We're to heal the sick, we're to preach the kingdom, we're to declare what Jesus has already done. God has already released all the healing power it takes for every person on the planet to be healed of every sickness and every disease. Wow. That's mind-boggling. You know, and, and the thing is, as we read it earlier, every disease, every kind of sickness. And so there aren't certain sicknesses, certain diseases that are, you know, a bigger deal from God, for God than others. You know, we look at it and, you know, we, we feel pretty comfortable praying about a cold. You know, but when it comes to cancer or AIDS, all at once we think, well, that, that's, you know, that's, whoa. That's, that's probably too big. I know it's too big for me. Well, why? It's because of our mindset. It's because, you know, we do, we do it with sin. We categorize sin. But the Bible says that one sin is, is the same as any other sin. You know, if I've, I've if I, according to the law, if I've gossiped, I've murdered. You know, if I've, um, you know, slandered somebody, I've committed adultery. It doesn't, doesn't matter in the eyes of God. It's, sin is sin. Now, thank God we're forgiven, and so we're, we're not under the law, so we don't have to compare it. But, but we have a, we can say we don't, but we do. We, we categorize it. But that's because we don't, it, it's so difficult for us to comprehend and understand the grace of God. That it's, that it's, it's, it's big enough. I mean, I, I've said this. <laughs> you know, and this, this really gets frowns. You know, <clears throat> that... If, if, if Hitler repented before his, his uh, barracks blew up, we'll see him in heaven. Whoa. That's a, that's a toughie. But it's the truth. You know, because we, we categorize him. But see, the reason that I bring it up is I don't want us to I don't want us to categorize sickness. I don't want us to look at it and say, well, you know, we, you know we're, a, we're a flu, cold flu uh, church. We can handle that, but, you know, you get much bigger than that. I mean, you know, K2, 
cancer or heart disease or anything like that, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to go to Tulsa or something for that. You know, uh, no, it's, it's full service. You know, whatever it is, Jesus has paid the stripes, the price for it. Jesus took the stripes, and now he's given us the power to heal the sick. And again, I know how it is. It's, you know, it just, it's, it's hard to comprehend that, that we're to, we're to heal the sick. We've been given the authority to heal the sick. You know, let, let's use, I, you know, when, when talking about authority, you know, I, I oftentimes use, use the authority of a police officer. You know, a police officer can, um, he can stop a 18-wheeler. He doesn't have the power to do it, but he has the authority to do it. Because that vehicle, if it's smart, it's going to stop. Because that police officer, even though it's one man or one woman, they have the, the, the authority of the, uh, the city, the county, the state, and if need be, nationally. That authority stands behind them. Well, we've got to realize that that police officer doesn't have the ability in and of him or herself to stop that vehicle. But if they won't assert the authority that they have, that vehicle is never going to stop. Why would it stop? Well, it's the same way with sickness and disease. We within ourselves, it's not that we've got this tremendous authority, but it's what behind us. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost that's backing us up. But if we don't heal the sick, if we don't use the, the authority we have, nobody's going to. You know, one of the primary examples of this, we have it in the scriptures, it's in, in Acts, the third chapter. And it's the account of uh, Peter and John when they go into the, uh, into the temple, the hour of prayer. And it's, it will begin in the first verse, and it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So he's a beggar. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, Look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. What he was expecting was a coin or some alm of some sort. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But listen to this. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Notice, that wasn't a prayer. That was a, that was a command. If you study that in the Greek, you'll see 
the terminology used there when he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. That wasn't a prayer, that was a command. And it says, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw it. And so there's an example. Notice what, what Peter and John said. They said, what I have, such as I have, that which I have, I give to you. What did they have? They had healing. They had the cure for his ailment. You know, in fact, it was actually probably more than just a, a healing. There was probably a creative miracle because the guy hadn't walked his entire life. And so there was deformity and so forth probably there. But he just, they, they spoke, they commanded, he reached out and, and he leaped up and he walked. But you know what? What if he had been intimidated? You know, because... You know, we, we read on and we see the people said, you know, surely this isn't the guy that's been at the temple every day because, you know, he, I mean, he's never walked. He's crippled from his mother's, everybody knew it. Everybody knew him. Talk about a, a toughie. You remember hearing the, the testimony of, of uh, T.L. Osborne, great missionary, man of God. And uh, his first trip, I believe it was to India. And he gets up in front of the crowd and he preaches his message. And, and then he picks up his, his Bible and he declares, this is the word of God. And he said, everybody out in the crowd, out in the crowd lifted up the Qurans and said, no, this is the word of God. And he says, this is the word of God. And he said, well, this is the word of God. And he said, I came back to the States with my tail between my legs because I had no way to prove to them that this was the word of God. And so they were in, out on the East Coast or West Coast and I believe there were some meetings up in Oregon and someplace and, and Daisy went up to those meetings and the next, uh, no, I'm, yeah, it was Daisy, that was his wife, and she comes home that night and says, you need to come to these meetings. They got what we need. Went up to the meetings and they're preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of uh, the miracles of God and got the fullness of the Spirit. And a and, uh, year later, went back to the same place. Got to the same place in his message. And he says, this is the word of God. And they held up their Qurans and said, no, this is the word of God. And he says, I'll prove it to you. He says, anybody with an infirmity, come up here. And some guy came up there, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was all crippled up. His thought was, couldn't you have given me something a little bit simpler? But he prayed for him, or commanded over him, spoke over him released healing into the guy's life. The guy was healed. And the masses came forward. And that was the beginning of his 
mass revivals. And in every one of his meetings, he would have thousands of thousands of people that would be saved. But it was the healing. Till I said, you know, healing is the dinner bell to the gospel for people to come to feed on the word of God. Because when they see the miracles, how do, you, how do you deny the miracles? You can try to deny the word of God. You can say that the Quran is the true word of God. But you know what? That Quran doesn't do what the word of God will do in your life. And so there's, there's healing. And, and, you know, T.L. just, you know, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but just probably preached the gospel in more, in more nations than any other man. You know, such a, such a cry in his heart for the lost. Never forget the last time that I, that I saw him preach. Was, I'm sure he is in his 80s by this time. It was at Damata School in, in Tulsa, and he's, he's up there, and it's right when uh, the, the countries in Russia just opened up, and he's, he's spewing out the names of all these countries that I can't even pronounce. And, and he, he says, this country, it doesn't even have a Christian bookstore. This country doesn't have one Christian church in the entire nation. And he went on and on. And, <clears throat> and, and of course, he's speaking to the Bible school students. And he says, somebody's got to go. And he started to, to weep. Almost makes me weep just thinking about it. And he, be, he didn't just shed a few tears. He began to weep. And he said, I would go myself but I'm too old. There's not enough time. We need others that'll go. And, and that's the passion that he had for the lost. And it began, you know, by having that altar call and uh, an individual being healed as a result of the words that he spoke of faith. God has placed the power to heal on the inside of every born again Believer, every one of us. Again, you know, we, we, we think if we can get to this uh, evangelist or that evangelist, you know, then there can be hope. But, but it's, it's on the inside of each and every one of us, and we need to come to the place where we recognize it. He's given us authority to use, which makes us responsible. You know, when we hear of somebody that needs healing or somebody asks for prayer, rather than refer them to somebody else, we, we, need, to, we need to pray for them our, ourselves. You know, because it's, it's too easy to just push it off or forget about it. You know, even if somebody calls me about a, a, a situation, I, I've tried to make it my practice that I, I pray with them right there on the phone. You know, I know it's better to play, pray in somebody's presence, but you know what? If I don't pray with them right there on the phone, <clears throat> might not get to it. And in the, in the realm of the Spirit, there is no distance. And so it doesn't matter whether they're in my presence or they're, they're a thousand miles away. We have the authority to pray for those individuals. And so when, when, when you encounter somebody and they, uh, they, they begin to tell you about the issues that they're dealing with, you know, <clears throat> and, and, and I'm happy to pray for them. 
But, but don't say, well, we need to get you to our pastor so he can pray for you. No, you need to, you need to pray for him. You know, and if, if the manifestation doesn't occur, get him in church and we'll pray for him again. You know, and if they come back the next Sunday and they haven't experienced the, the manifestation, we'll pray for again. Well, well, Pastor, you're saying every time that, uh, you, know, you know, it didn't work. No, it worked the first time. It worked when you prayed for them. You know, but we're just going to reinforce it until we see the total manifestation of it. You know, I remember who I heard say it the first time. I've heard a lot of preachers say it. But, you know, <clears throat> when we pray for somebody, that first time we pray for them, they receive their healing. And so we don't, we don't pray for them the same way each time. We, we thank them. We thank God for what He's working in their life. But, but we're persistent until we see the fulfillment of what we're, what we're believing for. Jesus did it. Remember the account where He played, prayed for the blind man, uh, spoke over the blind man and, and uh, laid His hands on His eyes and said, you know, basically, can you see? And he says, well, you know, I, I can see some things, but it's like people are like trees. So what did Jesus do? He prayed over him again, spoke over him again. Why? Because it wasn't, people aren't supposed to look like trees. People are supposed to look like people. And so he, he believed for a complete restoration and, and it, it came to pass. You know, of course, we run into situations where um, we don't see the manifestation. Why is that? I don't know. You know, if I had my way, everybody that I prayed for would be healed. But we don't, we don't always see that. There's, there's circumstances that, that enter in. The thing we've got to know, the problem is never on God's part. And you see, we don't like that. Because then we have to be responsible. And so anybody that I've ever prayed for that wasn't completely healed, the problem was not with God. It was with me or it was with some circumstances, but it wasn't God. Because God is always true to His Word. If we don't believe that, we're defeated from the, the get-go. I remember sitting in Bible school, and we're talking about healing. In a small class, we're sitting around a table and stuff. And the individual sitting across from us, we're, we're talking about praying for the sick, laying hands on the sick. And this individual says, well, you know, we have to seek guidance because sometimes it's God's will and sometimes it isn't. Now that's, that's horrible theology. And so I, I, I made the statement, I said, so what you're saying, and I'm trying, I'm, I think I'm being sarcastic. Can you imagine? But I, I think I'm being sarcastic and I'm saying, so by what you're saying, if I have a prayer line, before I pray for each of those individuals, I need to stop and say, God, 
do you want to heal that individual? Because some he wants to heal and some he doesn't want to heal. And I thought I had him. And he looked at me and he says, you're absolutely correct. Now that's ignorance gone to seed and producing a harvest. I don't care what anybody says. You know, how do you, how do you respond to ignorance like that? I just, you know, the instructor didn't correct him, so I just, your poor flock. That's all I have to say. See, we have to have confidence in God. I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time, he said, I know that, that everybody that I pray for in a prayer line is not healed. He said, I know that there are those that I pray for that have died. But he said, I am so confident that if that in God's word, where he said, we're to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, if everybody that I pray for, it appears that they just die, I'm going to continue to pray for the sick. Not because of circumstances, not because of what I see, but because of what the word of God says. I mean, if we use that philosophy in every area of our life, if we shared the gospel with somebody and they didn't pray with us for salvation, we'd quit praying with anybody. Well, I, that, that person didn't want to pray and I, I shared with them and they didn't get saved. Well, so I guess I shouldn't pray for the sick either. No, 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 no. It says, well, for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. If we've shared the word of God with somebody and they don't receive for salvation, it's not God's fault. It's their fault. Or maybe we did a lousy time, way of sharing it. I don't know. But it's not God's fault. And the same thing is true in the sharing of uh, the gift of healing that he's invested in each of our lives. Let's look at Mark, the sixth chapter, in the fifth verse. Now this is Jesus, 6th chapter, 5th verse of Mark. Now he, Jesus, well, let's just back up to the 4th verse. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. And so here Jesus is, he's amongst those that are familiar with him. Now he could not, didn't say, didn't want to. It says, now he could not do no mighty works there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. He healed them, a few sick folk. And if you Study that in the Greek, what it's actually talking about is a few minor ailments. They were in a cold and flu church. A few minor ailments. But notice what it says, he wanted to do more. 
He couldn't, because I can, I'll guarantee you, there were, there were sick people there. There were people there with, with, with major ailments, but Jesus wasn't able to do anything. In 6 verse it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. When he went about the villages in his circuit teaching, he marveled at their unbelief. Why did he marvel? Because they wouldn't believe. And so it's, it's never God. If there's, a, if there's an issue, it's with man. It's with me or with somebody else. But you know what happens then is we, we can have a tendency to come down on ourselves. But in Romans 8.1, it says there is now how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean? That means walking by the Spirit is being obedient and doing what God's called us to do. And so when we're obedient, we're doing what God's called us to do. We may not always see the desired manifestation. And you know what? We may not always know why. You know, I, I wish I, I knew a lot of whys, but I don't. You know, and where I found my peace is in the scripture that says that the secret things belong to God. And so to me, what that means, if God's not revealed it to me, I guess it's none of my business. You know what my business is? You know what your business is? To do what he's called us to do. Cure the sick. Heal the sick. Well, pastor, I've, I, I've not seen uh, the manifestations of that. Well, that's not your, your responsibility. Your responsibility is to obey, to do it. You're not to be moved by past circumstances, by what you've, you, you, what, what you've experienced. You're to be moved by what the Word of God says. In Ephesians 1, 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at his right hand in heavenly places. That's what's at work in you. That's what's been invested in you. That mighty power. What's that power for? To heal the sick. To cleanse the leper. To raise the dead. You know, we looked at Peter and John. What did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none. Have I none? but such as I have. Let me tell you something. Every one of us, we have something that is so much more valuable than any material thing. We have the anointing. We have the, the power of God residing on the inside of us for us to give away. It's, it's the most valuable thing. Let me tell you something. You can find an individual that's got millions of dollars. They would forfeit it all if they could have their health. 
We have something so much more valuable than those material things. And we have that through Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. And what's so significant about us being his righteousness? As his righteousness, we can fulfill his desires. We can fulfill his plan. We can fulfill the purpose for which we've been created. To have dominion on the earth, to subdue the earth, to, to, to bring God glory here on the earth. Now this authority that Jesus has given us only enforces spiritual laws. In other words, we've been given power and authority, but it's, but it's really not to do whatever we want. It's to do what we've been given authority to do through God. We find that in his word. Isaiah 50 or 45, 11, it says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, Ask me the things to come concerning my son, and concerning the work of my hands you command me. Now, <clears throat> years and years back, people perverted this scripture. They said, the scripture says that we have the authority to command God to do things. Oh, praise the Lord. Tornado warnings in this area till 8.30. Take shelter now. 8.30. Put that in my pocket to maybe it'll muffle it. Don't you hate those things? I don't know how that got on my phone. I really, I have no idea how that got on my phone. And I'm, I'm sitting in meetings and all of a sudden, rain has been detected in your area. I don't care. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Where was I? Oh, and so they, they you know, they said, we're, we're commanded to command God. No, we, 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 don't, we don't command God. It's, it's talking about what He has placed within our authority to do. In other words, we can command demons. We can command sickness and disease. We can command poverty. We're not commanding God, but what we're doing is we're commanding His will to be manifest in that situation. And so, you know, it, it got really weird, you know, because you'd be sitting in a meeting and all of a sudden somebody would speak up and, God, we command you to do thus and thus. You know, and, and I, I would just, uh, I'd just kind of tremble in my boots because I tell you, I learned one thing from the Lutheran church, fear of God. And it, it's not a terror of God, but Listen to me, God is God. Is God. And so I, I really don't want to really cross him, if you understand what I mean. And uh, 
He's a loving God, but he's still God. And so uh, we, what, what that means is um, we've got to flip the switch on. You know, this room has these lights. There's electricity and it comes to the switches that are up there. And that electricity is produced somewhere. You know, and anyway, Alliant is our, is our provider. And so tonight when I came here, this, this room was dark. And I didn't get on my phone and call Alliant and said, you know, we need light in the sanctuary. Would you come and would you flip the switch? They would have said, dummy. The switch is on the wall. Flip it yourself. And so what did I do? I walk over, I flip the switch. Now, now I got the power to flip the switch. But the power manifests because of Alliant and whoever the provider is for Alliant. We have the power to flip the switch. We have the power to command sickness and disease. Leave that body. And when we do that, the power of God is released and sickness and disease has to go. You know, because God's power is like light. It is light. And light always expels the darkness. And just like when I flip that switch and the lights came on, and the darkness had to get out of the way. So it is when I command healing into the life of an individual that's suffering, that light enters into that body and that darkness, sickness, and disease has to get out of the way. Why? Because the switch was flipped and the power was released. We're full of power and we have that anointing to release that power. Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick. Tells us, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely, you've received. Freely, give. So it's up to us to give. So Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that you have invested your power and authority within us. Father, I pray that we'll recognize that responsibility and that we'll use it to your glory. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed.